Welcome to another podcast by Dr. Dennis Smith, Senior Pastor of Covenant Life Ministries. To find out more, go to lifeandfocustv.com. You know, we've all heard the adage that says winners never quit and quitters never win. Cowards never start, the weak never finish, and winners never quit. Babe Ruth said, he said, it's hard to beat a person who never gives up. The best way to guarantee a loss is to quit. Vince Lombardi, football coach, says once you learn to quit, it becomes a habit. I, I think I can relate to this one. We don't quit playing because we grow old. We grow old because we quit playing. We don't want to quit. We just don't want to quit. Now, there are times when it's good to quit. Sometimes there are things we need to quit. If you've ever, of course, with all the media devices, it's not the issue it used to be, but used to in traveling with small children, on long trips and everything, they would get bored and they didn't have all the entertainment that they have today. You know, basically, they didn't have any entertainment at all, except maybe looking out and counting cars or something, you know, and and you had, sometimes you have brother and sister, you know, sitting in the back seat, and they'd be quarreling over, don't get on my side, stay, he's on, mama, he's on my side, all that's going on, and, you know, you look back, and you just say, look, I want to just tell you, just quit, it's time for you to quit, and there are times when it's good to quit, it's good to quit habits, there's some habits, it's good to quit, I hear people sometimes say, you know, I've just tried, I've tried and tried to quit, fill in the blank, I tried to try to quit, Smoking usually is the number one answer. I tried, tried, quit smoking. I, I quit biting your nails. Quit procrastinating. Quit being fearful. Quit being a warrior. Quit complaining. There's just some things that's just good to quit. Quit inappropriate relationships. Give up inappropriate relationships and maybe quit going to some places. There was a little, little there was a man one time that said he went to the doctor and told the doctor, he said, I broke my leg in two places. And the doctor told him, then quit going to those places. Sometimes there's just, there are times we just need to quit. But we have a real problem in our society today of people when things get difficult, when the going gets rough, they're all too ready just to quit, to stop, to give up. They say it's too hard. It's too hard. You it quit school, you quit a team sports. You, some people decide to give up on their marriage or give up on another relationship that they have. People that just want to quit their job, they get fed up with things on their job and go back to the old country song that says, you know, just take this job and shove it. I ain't working here no more. Just people that get in the attitude of saying, I'm tired of this. I'm tired of this. I don't want to do this anymore. I quit. Now, we actually have a generation or two now that are pretty soft and pretty spoiled. And unfortunately, a lot of people who are just not willing to commit and stick to something have a resolve to stay with something. This is actually, this comes from actual comment cards. You could leave a suggestion or comments. At a, this was at a wildlife area, a park, and they had a place for you to leave any comments or any suggestions for them. And I, this is actually from these comment cards. The trails need to be reconstructed. Please avoid trails that, do, that don't go uphill. There's too many bugs and spiders. Please spray all the area where we'll be walking. Please pave all the trails. Build chairlifts that will go to the best sightseeing views without having to hike to them. 
Another one, a small deer came into my camp and stole some of my food. Is there any way I can be reimbursed? And then finally, someone said, you know, a McDonald's at the trail's end would be a really good idea. Man, you know, people have just gone soft. Why do people quit? Why do they give up? And they have a particular challenge or a responsibility or an opportunity, a goal. Why do they sometimes just quit? Maybe they just got tired, exhausted. Perhaps they're just emotionally and they may be even spiritually drained. It could be because of fear. And sometimes this is based on past failures. You know, I've, I've given up before. I've tried this before and it didn't work. Sometimes people give up because they're intimidated. There's opposition. Now listen, if you're moving forward, if you're doing something good, and particularly if you're doing something for God, you can guarantee you will face opposition. You have an enemy, the adversary of the devil, and he'll always oppose that. And he also has people and situations that he'll use to try to get you to just give up, to quit, to be discouraged in your faith and in your walk. People give up because it's too hard. Sometimes people will quit because they've lost focus. They had a goal, they had an aim, they, had, they saw a purpose in their life, uh, they had certain landmarks, they had certain places that they expected to be in their life, they didn't reach that place and so they lose focus and they're just floundering now and don't really see any point to continue. I, and we all know that sometimes we are bombarded by things. Sometimes it seems like trouble comes in bunches. People say, you know, when it rains, it pours. And we always, you know, people will think negatively before they think positively. It's just kind of the way human nature is built. And when you hear that little phrase, when it rains, it pours, and this is very appropriate for us in this day and time. When it rains, it pours. Most people think, man, is when, you know, you got some troubles coming, it just means you're going to have more and more troubles. You know, you can flip that over on the positive side and says, when it rains, the blessings of God, it just pours out upon me. More and more good. You know, sometimes just be good to flip that over on the positive side and the goodness of God. Take just a moment. We're going to cut things a little bit short this morning. But take just a moment and look at a great prophet of God in the Old Testament by the name of Elijah. He was an awesome man of God. And God was judging Israel because of their rebellion and disobedience. And Elijah spoke out quite strongly against the gods of Baal, the idol worship. He was so powerful that he prayed that it not rained for three years and six months and it stopped raining. It didn't rain for, didn't rain for three years and six months. They prayed again, the Bible says, and rain. This is an awesome man of God. Powerful man of prayer. In fact, in the New Testament it says we can, we can be like him in our prayer life. Uh, he prayed and fire fell from heaven to consume a sacrifice on the mountain there that had been gathered together and the wood was wet and there was no way that this could possibly happen but supernaturally he calls upon the Lord and fire falls from heaven and consumes a sacrifice and then single-handedly the scripture says that he killed eight, over 800 false prophets of Baal and this was a strong man. Yet, when he was threatened by a woman, a woman, when he was threatened by a woman, he ran in fear and hid in a cave. It could be a time to go back and think about what the scripture means when it says that the woman is a weaker vessel. But we won't get into that right now. This woman, I, and I don't think it was just human 
I don't think it was just something that was human. I think it was something supernatural going on. This was an evil woman, and so there were evil powers. There were evil spirits that were involved in this. Her name was Jezebel, pagan wife of King Ahab. She wore the pants, if you will, in the family. She was domineering, always intimidating her, her husband. What she said, that, that's, what, that's what would go. What I say goes. That's just the way it was with Jezebel. Well, in 1 Kings chapter 19, the first two verses, King Ahab runs and reports to his wife, the queen, and says, you know what happened? Elijah has killed over 800 of your prophets. Well, she didn't like that at all. She was, I, I imagine he was trembling as he told her that. And then she said, I tell you what, and somehow she got word to Elijah, I tell you what, that by, by this time tomorrow and everything, he'll be dead, just like my prophets are dead. And we pick up in 1 Kings chapter 19, verse 3. It then says that Elijah was afraid and fled for his life. He went to Bathsheba in Judah, and he left his servant there. He went alone into the wilderness, sat down under a solitary broom tree, prayed that he might die, saying, I've had enough. I quit. Take my life. Then he went to sleep. And while he was asleep, an angel touched him and said, get up and eat. It's amazing to me that you can have this kind of experience and it not affects you any stronger than it seems to affect Elijah here. But anyway, he went to sleep, an angel touched him. He said, get up and eat. And Elijah looked beside him and he saw baked bread on hot stones and a jar of water. And he ate and he lay back down to go to sleep. The angel woke him up again and said, get up and eat more. You've got a long journey ahead. So he got up and he ate and drank and he gave him enough strength to travel some 40 days and nights to Mount Sinai. Verse 9, there he came to a cave. A man's cave. There he came to a cave where he spent the night. But the Lord said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? And Elijah says, I have zealously served you, but the people of Israel have broken their covenant over and over again. They've torn, they've torn down your altars. They've killed all your prophets. And I'm the only one that's left. And they're trying to kill me. I mean, this is what he says after he's just been awakened by a supernatural being and fed supernaturally, but he's still saying, I've been through all of this. I don't feel like going on any further. Verse 11, the Lord speaks to him and says, go out and stand before me on the mountain. And the Lord passed by him in a windstorm and shook the rocks. But the Lord was not in the earthquake, verse 12. After the earthquake, there was fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. After the fire, there was a still, small voice or the sound of gentle whisper. He was hearing the voice of the Lord in this amazing way, in this turbulent time. But look at verse 13. When Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his cloak and he went out and stood in the entrance of the cave. Now, I think when he experienced the earthquakes and the wind and the storms, he was at the mouth of the cave, it seems. He witnessed that. 
But it appears that he went back down into the cave and it was there in the darkest place. It was there in the most unusual, unexpected way that he had an encounter with the Lord and the Lord spoke to him again and said, what are you doing here? Well, unfortunately, Elijah had the same reply. Well, you know, I'm the only one. I've been serving you all this time. I've given everything. I'm the only one. It's poor, poor me. And then the response from the Lord is this. He says, go back the same way you came. He tells him to anoint a couple of kings, including the king Jehu, the king of, of Israel. And he says, anoint Elisha. Get Elisha. This is... In, in, you know, I don't know where this was kind of the time for this to unfold, and it was a transition of power and authority and a, and a transition from an older leader to a younger leader or prophet. I don't know what all is involved in this. We could read a lot into it. All I know is that in a very sad way, after Elijah comes to this place in his life and is in a cave, and the Lord tells him, the word from the Lord is, go and choose someone to take your place. Now, we know that Elijah was a man of God and he was taken up in a fiery chariot, so all things ended well with him. You know what I'm saying? But his call was there's someone now to pick up and go on from here. So let's, when I think about Elijah in this context, we ask ourselves the question, well, why did he give up? Well, as we mentioned before, I think he gave up because he was tired. He had been through a lot up to this point, physically. He'd run ahead of chariots for miles and miles and miles and miles. This man was physically worn out. He was emotionally weary and torn. I think he was spiritually taxed too. And it was at this time where he became so vulnerable that he said, I just don't know how to go on. I don't know how to continue. He felt like quitting, giving up. He ran away. He was tired. We have to guard over that. We have to guard over ourselves physically. We have to be aware that we need to take better care of our bodies physically. We need to take care of our minds, our emotional life better. We need to renew our minds in the Lord. We need to, to come to a point to where we, we think on the things that align with the Word of God, that we stay positive in our outlook as we line up with His Word. Don't, don't allow physical weariness, don't allow emotional weariness and spiritual weariness, weariness to bring you to a point to where you're just really ready to give up. You have to guard against that. And there are ways to do that. And the Word of God will help you do that. But there's another thing that happened to him, I think, that brought him to a point to where he felt like completely giving up was he pulled away from any support that he had. Notice it says, uh, earlier in that scripture, it said that he came to a certain place and he left his servant there and then he continued on alone. Oftentimes when we're going through things, what happens is, is we feel like that we need, just need to pull away and isolate ourselves. There are good times to be alone and to be alone with the Lord. Uh, it's, it's important to have those times. But unfortunately, we, we move into those times in our life where we're encountering, encountering difficulties and things are going on. And just at the point when we really need a brother and sister in Christ, just at the point that where we really need a friend and someone to encourage us, rather than, rather than taking the opportunity to connect with them and share with them and be a part of, of, of other people's support and their help and the things that they can sow into our lives, rather than that company, we decide that we'll just, sometimes it's because we feel kind of ashamed 
feel like a failure, but we isolate ourselves. Let me tell you something. When an animal isolates himself, it's, it's ready prey for the enemy. And it oftentimes helps what happens with Christians. I know Christians that are going through some tough times, and sometimes I've seen it over the years. They just drop out from church. They just say, you know, I just things are not going well. We're going through this sickness, going through all these problems. And, you know, I was just tired on Sunday and everything, and so I just decided I'd rather just stay at home. You know, the enemy will use things like that. At the very time when you really need a brother or sister in Christ, at the really time when you need a friend to put the hand on your shoulder, oftentimes you're tempted to say, no, no, I just, I'm going to pull away from that for a while. Don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together, the scripture warns us. It tells us there's a whole lot more power in two than there is in one. It's important for us to encourage one another. We'll talk a little bit more about that next week. But he pulled away from any support, yet he went alone. The third thing sounds rather unusual, and it was that he was ready to give up in the aftermath of a great victory. You see, he had been the champion, if you will. He had called down fire from heaven, and he had defeated all the prophets of Baal, the idol worshipers. He had defeated all of them. He, had, he was a man of great strength and power, and, and it was after this, after hearing about Jezebel and about the threats. It was after this that he ran and that he hid and he felt like giving up. Sometimes after you have really experienced great things in your spiritual walk and even breakthroughs, sometimes uh, when you are walking in a place of, of feeling faith and, and confidence and things are going well, it, sometimes that can be a setup. It doesn't have to be, but it can be a setup for us to just kind of coast. So, you know, everything's going well. We've had this wonderful experience in the Lord. We've seen that happen with like revival, like encounters. People in, in, encounter weekends and they'll have just tremendous, tremendous time in prayer and in the word and experience in the presence of the Lord. And, and they're just renewed, they're revived, they feel stronger as a believer. They're excited about that. Then they come back home and they get hammered. Uh, they usually get hammered the next week by things coming against them, by the enemy coming against them, by things happening in their family maybe or uh, just all sorts of things that are happening that causes them to back off and, and become discouraged. And it's in that they had this great mountaintop experience and they're not on that mountaintop anymore. And it's after that, that great time of spiritual victory that sometimes you're very vulnerable because sometimes you're moving in pretense rather than faith. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, beware of pride and presumption. Let him who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. I think it's important for us to remember that, that after you've had this tremendous experience in the Lord or some breakthrough in your life, that's not a time to back off. It's not a time to coast. It's a time, it's a time to stay strong in your faith and your commitment. And finally, I think one of the things that caused him to give up and quit is that he just got totally absorbed with self-pity. And this is a real trap where you can lose focus completely of who you are, actually who God is, who you are, what he's called you to be and do. This is a dangerous place to be in self-pity. And there's a lot of it around us today, I think you would agree, people who have the victim mentality, poor old me, won't accept responsibility. They're always ready to blame others. They feel depressed ready to give up. They've forgotten 
the call of God. They've forgotten. They're looking at their problems rather than God's promises and provision. That's what happened to, to Elijah in the cave. In the cave, there was an absence of light. In the cave, there was an absence of vision. In the cave, there was an absence of future. And when we get drawn down into this place where we pull ourselves away in discouragement and we're ready to give up and we feel, we, we feel at a place where we're, we're tired and, and we just, 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 it's just not worth it. We quit and we get in those places where we're so vulnerable. It's hard for us to receive that light, that revelation from the Lord. It's hard for us to see again the vision that he's given us and it's hard for us to see the future and the destiny he's called us to. Now, there's so much more that I want us to move into. I'm going to wait till next week to move into the rest because I want us to build on this and, under, and see how God has, has, God has developed a way for us to, uh, to come out of this type of mindset. He's developed a way to help us not move into that mindset, and he's developed a way for us to stay encouraged and to encourage one another. We don't want to be drawn down into a cave mentality. Just remember, Galatians chapter 6, verse 9 is talking about giving here, but I think it's applicable to all, so many aspects of our life. It says, let us not grow weary while we're doing good, for in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. That's also translated, if we do not faint, if we do not give up, if we do not quit. The Bible's quite clear that the Lord God is our strength, that the joy of the Lord is our strength, that we can cast our cares over on him because he cares for us, that Jesus says, come to me if you're heavy laden and burdened, and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon me because it's easy. It's light. It's easy. It's important for us to learn as Christians, we and I don't have to be, you and I don't have to be dragged down to that place to where we just get tired and weary and want to give up. I don't know where any of you have faced any of that in your life recently. I don't know where you're kind of facing that right now. Sometimes when things just get routine and kind of humdrum, even in your spiritual life, it's kind of pretty much the same thing every day. You can even become weary in that. We need to, just like you need to keep your relationship with your husband, with your wife, your romance, your relationship fresh and new, refreshing in our walk with the Lord, we need to maintain that passion, keep it fresh and new. But sometimes it becomes dull and it becomes distant. And in that setting is when we get down, we get discouraged, we get tired. Someone asked me, I got a, got a lot more I want to touch on, but someone once asked me about I was going through some things, my life, family, stuff like that. And, and they asked me the question, says, doesn't this just make you want to quit? Quit the ministry, quit and serving the Lord, quit and what you're doing. Does this make you want to quit? Now, I'll never forget, and I didn't say it honestly, I didn't say it arrogantly, and I didn't say it to be. Is a smart aleck anyway. But I just simply said, look, a long time ago, through the grace of God and through his amazing love, he broke my quitter. My quitter's broken. And is that where you are? Where you determine, you know, where so many disciples had forsaken Jesus so many people had turned away from following Christ and he turned to his disciples and he says, are you going to leave also and quit? 
Remember Peter said, who else are we going to go to? You've got the words of life. You're alive. Who, who else? Where else are we going to go to? For you as a believer, you don't need any other place to go to. You don't need anyone else to go to. You've got one who will stand with you, stand for you. If God be for you, then what does it matter who's against you? And there's no reason for you to ever be dragged down to a place of discouragement. And if you find yourself there, if you find yourself there, maybe get a good, close Christian friend, a man or woman of faith, to help you, encourage you, pray for you. Hopefully in your home you have a spouse that can do that. Just right there, ready-made and handy to help you in that place. But when you're in a place of discouragement right there, never a better time than to find a place to just praise the Lord and to give Him thanks. There's something about that. When you don't feel like doing that, it's the least you, you're thinking about doing. There's a time if you'll set your heart on doing that and set your heart on seeking Him, you may not see any astounding things happen immediately. But it may be something just like a still, small whisper or voice. But something, not outside changes necessarily, but something on the inside is going to happen that will change you, that will strengthen you, and that will help you. Don't quit. Don't you ever quit. God has called you to a high, high calling in Jesus' name. Well, can you receive that this morning? Pray that you'll be encouraged. We'll build on that next week. I got some things I want to point out. Let's stand. Father, thank you for a time to be together today. <clears throat> thank you for all the wonderful things we've been able to enjoy, the sharing of ministries that are coming up, Lord. We pray over the men's encounter. God, over men here in this fellowship, Lord, that will seize this opportunity to be a part of this. That you're going to do great things there. It's going to be a blessing to every man and to every man's family. Lord, I thank you for the word concerning the missions and uh, the church planting in Ireland. We pray over Nathan and over his family and over the mission there, the ministry. We thank you for the opportunity that we have as believers to pray for them and to stand with them and to support them in what God's called them to do, that they'll never get discouraged or never feel like quitting, that they know the hand of God is on their life. And Lord, I pray for every person in this building who's gathered in this place where so much has happened this morning. It's not so much the things that are going on around us, Lord, but it's what you're doing in us. It's what you're speaking to us in our hearts. Thank you, Lord, that we receive your word today that we will not be drawn down into a place of despondency, feeling like giving up. But when the temptation comes, it will press on in. And we'll encourage ourselves in you, O oh Lord, and I know that you'll provide ways to lift us up and strengthen us to go on. We will not quit. We will be steadfast and immovable in the work of the Lord because we know that there's even a reward that goes with it. Thank you for that promise. Thank you for this time together. Bless each one as they go from this place, Lord. Help us to hear you and follow you in Jesus' name. Everybody in the house, amen. God bless you. Give a good shout to the Lord before you go today.